This message is brought to you by Nuveen. Nuveen has provided investment excellence for 125 years with expertise across income and alternatives. Nuveen continues to expand its capabilities while maintaining its legacy as a leading investment manager. Visit Nuveen.com to learn more. Investing involves risk. Loss of principle is possible. I'm Gail Simmons. I'm a food expert, TV host, and author. I'm a food writer. I'm a permanent judge on Bravo's Top Chef and the Special Projects Director at Food & Wine Magazine. Whatever your passion, whatever you're interested in, there is a way of making it a reality. When I started out in the food world, I really didn't understand that it could be a job. These are the things you love. You love to travel, you love to write, you love food, eating and cooking, and sharing that experience with people. Why can't you make that a job? And it literally dumbfounded me because I hadn't thought of it that way before. This is Secrets of Wealthy Women from the Wall Street Journal helping women empower themselves financially. Now, Veronica Dagger. Gail Simmons is an entrepreneur and longtime judge on the popular TV show Top Chef. She discusses how she turned her passion into the career of her dreams. So Gail, your parents wanted you to be a lawyer, I read. How did you get the courage to do something different? I I didn't feel like courage at the time. It sort of wasn't a conversation. My mother... And probably my father, although my father was more quiet about it, um, definitely expressed that she thought me being a lawyer was a good idea. Um, Her brother was a judge and obviously had been a successful lawyer before that. And she thought that was sort of like the height of a great career idea. And I was a good negotiator. So she was convinced that it would be perfect for me. But the problem was that my mother also raised me with a very healthy sense of self. And so it wasn't ever really about what she wanted me to do. As much as she tried, (laughs) I always had my own ideas. How did she raise you with that sense of self? What did she do that made you confident? (laughs) If I could bottle it for my own daughter, I would. I'm not entirely sure, but I think that it, you know, she always made clear that our opinions mattered and that we were in charge of our own decisions, the, the good and the bad, and we were to take responsibility for those decisions. How do you do that with your own daughter? I, I'm learning. Yeah. If you have any tips, I'm open. Uh, no. <laughs> Although my daughter definitely has a, a strong sense of what she wants, and maybe that's the first step. That's part of it. Um, so was there ever a moment when you said, I want to give my career to food? Like, this is my passion. There were several moments, although I don't think it was crystal clear at one specific time only, sort of when like the sky opened up and I knew for certain. There were a lot of little moments along the way when I realized that food was something I loved beyond just eating. And there were moments that when I was in the kitchen and I realized that the rhythm of the kitchen and and the idea of cooking and feeding people was important to me. Certainly when I first started cooking in earnest, sort of around the time I was finishing college. And then my passion for writing happened around the same time when I realized I loved writing and I loved expressing myself through writing and how those two things could come together. But it it came in waves. It wasn't as if I had this full vision of exactly what I wanted to do with my life and there it was all laid out. I never fully had a clear understanding of how I would take my love of food and make it into a job that came in a very circuitous way. Was that scary, not knowing what that vision would be? Sure. Um, I think when you first leave the cocoon of high school or college, 
it is a very it's a very scary time. Um, I remember that when I was graduating college, all of my girlfriends seemed to know exactly what they wanted to do, and they all knew the career paths that they wanted to be on, and I was mystified by that, mystified by how they could be so certain when they hadn't ever done anything in real life before. You know, everything until that point in our lives, except for, of course, the occasional part-time job right. um, or summer job or internship, had really been theoretical, and I knew that, and I didn't understand how people could have this vision of knowing what they loved. College had prepared me in certain ways for analyzing, for writing. I understood how to, um, you know, do a lot of things in theory, but practical knowledge of the real world and how to kind of create a path for becoming financially independent was a very daunting thing to think about. It's interesting because you seem to be one of the most focused people <laughs> I've researched. <laughs> it's funny um, to hear that. I think it's sort of like when you look at other people, um, you know, this happens a lot when you're a mother, you look at other people and say, how does she seem so put together when really you're like barely getting yourself dressed <laughs> in the morning? And the answer is usually that they're thinking the same thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's not to say that I don't have a focus, and I feel very fortunate that I have found a career that I love, and I've been able to do it in the most extraordinary ways, in ways I could never have predicted or imagined doing them. I mean, my career has out has surpassed my vision for it in many ways, because I couldn't have dreamt of these things because they did not exist 20 years ago, 30 years ago. However... Um, I think that a lot of it came because of a healthy sense of having no clue what the next step was going to be and just being open to walking through a door or taking a risk because I wasn't so focused or set in my ways. Does that make sense? Totally. What's your advice for people who are trying to find that passion? The part of career landscape now is so different than it was 20 years ago when I left my like education behind and started out in the working world. Um, I would always say, though, that it's a little bit of everything, that not being afraid to work hard not, and, and, not, and knowing when it's time to keep your mouth shut and keep your mouth open. Um, that was, for me, a big lesson, both, in, um, both literally and sort of in the idea of eating and food. So literally knowing to keep my head down, do my work, keep my ears open and my mouth shut when I was just starting out in my career because I had way more to learn than I had to impart to other people. But also knowing when to open my mouth to taste and open my mouth to question. And so I think that is always advice that I give people. And learning how to listen is a big part of that because once you listen, you learn the questions to ask. And questioning is a big part of figuring out who you are and what you want to do. Um, you know, the other advice that I always give is whatever your passion, whatever you're interested in, there is a way of making it a reality. When I started out in the food world, I really didn't understand that it could be a job. And it really took someone else objectively pointing that out to me. These are the things you love. You love to travel. You love to write. You love food, eating, and cooking and sharing that experience with people, why can't you make that a job? And it literally dumbfounded me because I hadn't thought of it that way before. I was so worried about finding sort of a professional track and fitting into careers that were already very obviously laid out for, before me. Mm -hmm. 
that creating something of my own, creating something new didn't come naturally. I don't think I was a sort of a natural entrepreneur, but once it was shown to me in that light, I was able to move forward in that direction. So I always am an advocate of whatever your passion is, you can make it a reality. The first step is finding people who not necessarily have done it exactly how you want to do it, because that often doesn't exist, and there's never two of you, but finding mentors, whether they are in person or on television or through books or through, um, you know, research that can show you different angles to approach a subject that you love is usually the best way to learn. You were mentored by some very strong personalities, yes. some very strong guys. How did you hold your own in their presence? I, I chose to work in an industry that has been even more than most, and that's saying something, uh, dominated by men. Um, I didn't think about it that way at the beginning. I mean, I knew it. In theory, it wasn't like a secret by any means. But I never, I never was daunted by that reality. I just pushed it out of my mind. I think it goes back again to my mother's ability to raise me with a really strong sense of self, knowing that it didn't matter who else was up for the job. It didn't matter uh, who the boss was. I could prove myself because I could stand on my own two feet, uh, regardless of my gender, regardless of my age, regardless of my beliefs. And as long as I had strong values and worked hard, I could do whatever I wanted. And so um, working for strong personalities, I think I relished. I think I was drawn to people who had really strong points of view because I loved to learn from them and because I did too. Coming up, Gail Simmons talks about the personal growth that comes from taking chances and embracing new opportunities and risks. This message is brought to you by Nuveen. Nuveen has provided investment excellence for 125 years. A lot has changed, but one thing that remains constant, including the different types of durable income in portfolios, can help investors meet their goals. With expertise across income and alternatives, Nuveen continues to expand its capabilities while maintaining its legacy as a leading investment manager. Visit Nuveen.com to learn more. Investing involves risk. Loss of principal is possible. You're listening to Secrets of Wealthy Women from The Wall Street Journal. How do we get more female top chefs? Mm. There's a lot of answers to that question. Um, right now, I think when I speak to female chefs who are at the top of their game, and there are fewer of them than males in the same position. So how do you get more women top chefs? You invest in them. You invest in them at all levels. You invest in their restaurants, in uh, the, the restaurants of women who you believe in and who you think are doing good creative work. And then you invest in the women under them. Um, and and give them the same opportunities from the ground up, you know, starting at culinary school or before, starting in the lowest rungs of the kitchen hierarchy. And it still very much is run in a hierarchy. So finding and cultivating talent from from the very beginning of women's careers and giving them opportunities while still giving them the leeway they need as women to run their lives because women have different needs than men. That's not 
a secret. I feel like it used to be that we had to prove that we could do things exactly the same way. Mm -hmm. I'm just as strong. I don't, I can be just as tough. I can be, I don't need anything different. I don't want to be treated differently. Well, I, I've kind of come to not believe that anymore. Um, we are not men. We have different needs. Why? Because until men can deliver and nurse babies, we will have different needs. That's just biological. So we do need I, you know, support if we want to have families. Um, and men do too. Um, but we have different needs in that way. And I think that in the culinary industry, the tricky piece, which is, which has parallels in other industries too, is that it takes 10 years plus to become the leader of a kitchen. Mm -hmm. And so if you start when you're 20, by the time you're 30 and a woman, there are other factors that come into play. And I think that we all have to think about how to create the culture of a kitchen that allows for the greatest number of people to be in and to be participating whole and fully. And that means women and adjusting to the needs of a workplace that accommodates fairly, justly, thoughtfully, and supportively. Um, and also for, you know, this doesn't just apply to gender, it certainly applies to, um, you know, diversity in all ways. So some people say that on Top Chef um, that you're tough, that you're tough on the. Did they say that? That that you're you can be mean or too critical of some of the contestants. What do you think of that criticism? I have a lot of thoughts about that. Well, I think that was the case when we first started because in the early years of reality television, and I'm not saying I was mean. I'm saying people per could perceive me that way. Um, in the early years of reality television, I think people thought that every judge had to be a caricature a little bit. There had to be the nice one and the mean one. And the um, and that's no longer the case. Over the last several years, I think Top Chef has really come to realize that because you as the viewer can't taste the food, we really, as judges, need to be your taste buds. And so you need to trust us and feel confident in us, believe us, and like us so that you will keep watching and believe the story of the chefs and believe what we say about their food. So I think the editing has gotten a lot softer over the years. I say all those things, but there's a lot of editing that goes into the show. What you don't see is that to make one episode takes about two to three days, eight cameras going 18 hours a day for a 45-minute wow. episode of television. Hundreds of hours get cut on the editing room floor to carve out the narrative that you see as an audience member. Um, the longevity that we've had is because we've stayed really authentic food. We're not about drama. We're not about what the judges want to pontificate about. We don't scream and yell at them. We're really honest. And I think if you ask any contestant, they'll tell you because they are standing in front of us for hours, even though you're only seeing minutes of it, um, that I'm really constructive. I always aim to be... Um, to, to give constructive criticism. That's the point. The whole point is, here's what you did wrong. If you want to stay, here's how you need to improve so that you last another day to, to fight again, right? That's the game. Um, and I'm always really fair. I always want to hear their side. And I always want to give them great feedback and positive feedback. And I always do. Whether it makes the cut is a whole other story. Um, <laughs> I think the other thing is that it's, it is far harder than it looks on television, doing the job that our contestants do and that we demand of them. And it's miraculous that they accomplish it to the standard that they do. I'm always sort of dumbfounded by 
how talented they are and what they're able to produce under the guidelines that we give them. And I'm generally really enthusiastic. I'm a good eater. Um, and, and just every day I come to the table feeling really lucky to get to do what I do. And I think that comes across to them and mostly to the audience. The point is yeah. uh, to be critical. I mean, right? If I loved everything, that wouldn't help you as a viewer understand what we were doing either. For sure. Yeah. So when people see you on the street, they assume they know you because they've <laughs> watched you yes. for many years. Yeah. So how? what's that like? How do you get used to that? You know, they assume that you're their best friend or a relative almost. Sometimes. Um, these days, everyone's very comfortable because I play myself on yep. television. So they think they know me. But again, the person they see is a very edited version of me. And I do play a role. I'm not an actress by any means, but I serve a purpose on the show and I'm edited to that role. And I, there's more dimension to me, I think, as a real human being than you just see in a cocktail dress at the judge's table speaking about food. Um, you know, I, for the most part, I love it. It's amazing to me how many lives we've touched, how many people's palates we've expanded, how many people are interested in food and their children are interested in food. That, to me, is the greatest reward. And 99.9% .9 of the feedback I get when people approach me in person is exactly that, that they love the show, that they are excited about what I do, and they have questions, or they want to know more about food, or they want restaurant suggestions. Um, sometimes they just want to tell me that they appreciate what I do, and that's a pretty fantastic thing, right? So if someone comes up to you and says, I want to be a celebrity chef, what do you say to them? What's your advice? I run in the other direction. <laughs> no, you know, I think the term celebrity chef is a very modern construct. Do you want to be a chef, a great chef? Because that comes with years of training and focus and dedication. The celebrity only comes if you are great at it, like anything, right? Mm. There are thousands of actors in this world moonlighting in other jobs because they want to be famous. But the ones who have the true talent and get to the top of their industry are the ones that really have that drive and, and dedication to their craft. So you have cookbooks, you have a production company, you do appearances. What's the secret to leveraging an existing platform to get more opportunities? Sometimes I don't know. I think it's really about walking through the different doors that are presented to you. Having a general idea of your path, but being open to diversification on that path and how the world evolves. You know, media has changed so much since I started working in media. When I came out of college and worked in media, media meant print media. And I guess it meant television, but in the food space, there was very little of that. It was just starting. So for me, being in media meant writing, meant being a journalist. And only in the last, let's say, 15 years has that really become something else. You know, the world of the internet, of bloggers, of social media, of, um, you know, food writing and, and the industry it has spawned. And so being a bit flexible, being able to pivot and adapt to all of the different ways that the term media can mean, I think has been part of that success. Um, just being open to never feeling like I have to be one thing and taking some risk along the way. Educated risk. Right. What type of investor are you? I think that I'm relatively conservative. I have no problem being patient with investments. Um, but I also see that I'm relatively young and that I don't need to be uber conservative all the time because I can 
also go with my gut and I want to invest in things that I think are interesting and exciting, but also with some guidance. I also like to ask a lot of questions and do not claim that I know everything about the market. So getting help, having a good team of people to ask those questions to is a very good thing for me. Indeed. So how do you handle it, though? Because when you're well-known, people want to have you invest in their business or even have you lend them money. How do you deal with those requests? Uh, It's tricky, especially when they're people you know well. I generally don't invest in people I know really well. I'd prefer not to mix those things together um, unless the opportunity is something that I really strongly believe in. And I can think of one or two where I have. Um, Most of the time, people want sweat equity, right? They Mm -hmm. want me to do things because of my profile um, to help their business. And it took me a long time to learn that that has value and understanding the value of my time, because that to me is the most important thing that I have. How did you figure that out? The hard way, by spending a lot of time on things that I probably didn't need to, that I didn't benefit from in the long term. You know, things that people, I'm not, I wasn't ever good at saying no. You know, I think that partially is a female thing, certainly a mom thing that I'm learning every day, setting boundaries and learning that my time has value, my expertise have value. It's hard to put a price tag on, and it's certainly hard to tell people that price tag. Uh, I'm lucky that because I work in the entertainment industry, I have agents. Um, and I've re- also come to realize the value of those agents. And their job is to advocate for me. And financially, that is so helpful because it's really hard to tell people how much you're worth. Um, but they've helped me learn how to do it myself, too. Uh, one of the most Profound piece of advice my agent gave me when we first started working together 15, 14 years ago was you're going to say no more than you say yes. Really? And at the time, I didn't understand that because he's my agent. Doesn't he want to make money? Yeah. And I would think he would just want me to say yes to everything. And it seemed really simple. But looking back, I understand it completely and that you don't need to please people. You need to do what works for you. And there needs to be value attached. And you don't have to apologize for the fact that you cost, that your time, that your expertise, that who you are and how hard you've worked have a value. Time now for your secrets. I'm Gail Simmons. I'm a judge on Bravo's Top Chef and the Special Projects Director at Food & Wine Magazine. My money secret is to max out my health savings account and make sure that there's always money there for the what-ifs of the world. You just never know. That's the one thing you can't control. Getting sick, getting hurt, or someone in your family needing money for health care. Be sure to check out our ebook based on the Secrets podcast, How 20 Ambitious Women Use Obstacles to Fuel Their Success, for free on WSJ.com today. This episode was produced by Tanya Bustos. I'm Veronica Dagger. Thanks for listening. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.